0: Welcome to Super Bowl Sunday. I'm sure some of you have plans to be um, in front of a large screen TV tonight with a whole bunch of junk food that you shouldn't be eating, but you will because it is the Super Bowl, with maybe one or two friends and having a great time. Because it is the Super Bowl, I want to tell a story about my dad and football. My dad immigrated to Canada uh, as a young man. I think he was about 15 or 16 years old. It was right after World War II, and he worked in his father's restaurant, of course a Chinese restaurant, in northern Ontario. He didn't know how to speak English, but he learned to speak English waiting on tables and talking to the customers. He learned how to read English by reading the newspaper, and he chose the sports section uh, to read. And because of that, he learned to love football. He learned the rules. He learned the excitement. He learned the competition. He learned the teams. He loved football. And as he grew older and got married, he and my mother moved down to live in Toronto, and Sunday afternoons, we would sit together, my dad and I, to watch Sunday afternoon football. He taught me the difference between American and Canadian football, and at the time in the 60s, Canadian football was a lot more exciting. And I will, and it was a great time because my dad worked in a restaurant. And working in a restaurant almost worked, was like 724. You were a slave to the restaurant because it was hard work. But I looked forward to those Sunday afternoons where I would spend time with my dad. Now I'm going to need help. Does anybody here know who, oh, I forgot my thing, who my father's favorite team was? If you know, yell it out. <laughs> Beth? The Green, Bay Packers. Green Bay Packers, right. And he was at my house two weeks ago when the Green Bay Packers <laughs> lost and didn't make it to the Super Bowl today, which was quite amazing because he never comes to my house when there are guests and goes and watches TV. What he did. He watched it. But I would love sitting with my dad. Uh, he was so proud of his grandsons when they learned how to play football. He would go into the stands, find the best place in the the stadium to get the best vantage point and videotape all those football games. Uh, we didn't always watch football, because football wasn't 12 months of the year, but uh, we always spent Saturday, Sunday afternoons together. And I remember to this day, the day my, my dad had to change his schedule, and we no longer had Sunday afternoons together. I cried, and I cried, and I cried because our special time was going to be gone. I have had a very special relationship with my dad. Not that I didn't love my mom, I really do, but my mother has a tendency to overreact. And if anything would happen, she would get all excited, and I would just look at my dad, and he would look back at me. Eye to eye, he would just say, It's okay, Rita. He would be very gentle, very reassuring. And I just loved that of my dad. And that was special. He would look me in the eyes, and I knew everything was going to be okay. I felt so loved in my life because of the love that my grand, my father had for me. I call him grandfather because he's become a grandfather, and that's what our kids call him. In the past three weeks, we have heard three inspiring messages from Kevin Burgess and from Pastor James speaking about God who loves us, the Father who loves us. It's unconditional, unrestricted, unlimited. Our identity is based on being his beloved, not based on what we have accomplished or what good we do. We are just his children, and he loves us. Uh, Pastor James, from the story of the prodigal son, said, does the father see the sin when the son comes home, or does he just see the son? And he is welcomed home. Jesus loved to tell stories that reaches deep into our hearts to those who were listening to him at the time, but also to us who are listening to him now. The story I' chose two stories from Luke 15 uh, that precede the prodigal son story. James wouldn't let me speak on it because he was going to speak on it. <laughs> so I 'm going to read the two stories now. Luke 15 you can hear me or you can look for it on page 1093 in your pew bibles now the tax collectors and the sinners were all gathered around to hear him but the Pharisees and teachers of the law muttered this man welcomes sinners and eats with them then Jesus told them a parable suppose one of you had a hundred sheep and loses one of them does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over the one sinner who repents than over the 99 righteous persons who did not need to repent. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Does she not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And then when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. These two parables are very easy to understand and simple to appreciate. The two stories illustrate the wonderful uh, idea that it's not the lost thing that is important. The story focuses on the person who is seeking. The shepherd goes out to look for the lost sheep. The woman in the house searches for the lost coin. In both stories, there is an unpleasant discomfort when they know that something is missing. There's an emptiness that must be filled. There is something gone, and it has to be found. Jesus illustrates the heart of God and speaks of his great love to us. But the story of love starts in the moment of creation, when God took a formless, empty, dark earth and created a world of light and life. We know the story. God created light. Then he created dry land and gathered all the seas around it. And the land produced plants and trees and fruit with seed in them. Then he created the day and the night with the sun, the moon, and the stars to shine. God created creatures of the sea and the birds of the air. God created all the creatures that moved on the earth. And then he created the first man, Adam. He created him in his own image. And God looked over everything he created and it was good. It was very good. It was repeated several times. It was good. God created a world that proclaimed his love. From the grandest mountains to the smallest flowers, from the depths of the ocean to the galaxies far away, God demonstrated his love. He had created a home for all living things. But when God saw Adam, it was not good that he was alone. God created a companion and a friend for him in the person of Eve. When God created a home, he incorporated friendship, belongingness, and togetherness. This is part of what God created. He does not want people to be alone. But you know what? It was not just a home for Adam and Eve. It was also a home for God where he could come to them. Spend time with them. Speak with them. God came in the cool of the day. And Adam and Eve knew God. They knew when he came near. They heard his footsteps. They recognized his voice. Home was a place where God and man were together. They belonged together. Home was like that for me and my dad. Being able to listen to him being able to hear from him, being able for him to explain. Now, we did other things. He taught me a lot of things, everything from how to paint a wall properly, how to bubble up old paint and scrape it off, how to do everything, how to use a knife. Like, my dad taught me everything. And sometimes we didn't do anything. We just sort of sat there. It it was just being near to one another. It was just comfortable being beside him. It was home. Creation is a work of God to show his goodness. It shows his love. And home is where God is. But you know, the story continues from there. The relationship was corrupted. The communion with God was severed. It ended. Adam and Eve chose unwisely. They disobeyed God and they were expelled from their home. They lost fellowship with God. That friendship that with God that was intended from the beginning. There are times in our lives that we are separated from the ones that we love. We have wonderful memories, and we miss being with them. Welcome, Ken. We missed you, and we're glad to hear. Ken came all the way from Victoria, B.C. to watch the Super Bowl with his friends. Thank you. Uh, But, you know, friends, we miss them when they're gone. I have a very good friend who lost her son at the age of 25, And her grief was unimaginable. She would tell me that for a brief moment, the first thing she would do when she would wake up, she would feel fine. And then within a second or two, all the anguish would return and fill her for the rest of the day. It really hurt her when she knew her son was no longer there. Sorrow cannot be wished away. A broken heart cannot be fixed by willing it to be. Personal loss is profound and affects us deeply. Adam and Eve lost something. But you know what? God lost something too. He created man to share creation and everything he created with. He wanted to have fellowship with him. And when the friendship was broken, God missed it too. He missed spending time with them. He missed speaking with them. He just missed being with them. Does God need them? No. But did he long for the friendship to be restored? Yes. Did he choose to go looking for them? Yes. Did he want to restore that friendship? This is the message that God has for all of us. God longs to spend time with me. God longs to spend time with you. He made us to be at home with him to experience his deep love. Jesus tells us that God misses and comes to bring us home. The story goes on to say that the shepherd joyfully puts the sheep on his shoulders and goes home. And we read these words in Isaiah. Jerusalem says the Lord has deserted us. The Lord has forgotten us. Never. Can a mother forget her nursing child? Can she feel no love for her child that she bore? Even if it were possible, I would not forget you. See, I have written your name on the palms of my hand. God never forgets and seeks to restore. It's interesting that Jesus is telling this story to the tax collectors and the sinners and the Pharisees, and the teachers of the law. The tax collectors and the sinners needed to hear this story because they needed to know that God loved them, even though they had done things that maybe were disapproved. They knew that they were accepted. Maybe they had done wrong things. But you know what? Jesus was not shocked by anything that they had done. They were still loved. As much as the sinners needed to hear this message, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law also needed to hear this message. Because you know what? They were faithful. They were keen on being faithful to God by preserving the laws. They studied the scriptures. They sought to understand them. They wanted to teach it so that everybody else would be faithful. They were devoted. They were good, righteous people. But you know what Jesus is saying to them in the story? There is something more than the law. I want something more than doing the right thing and avoiding the wrong thing. There is something more important to God deep inside of us. He doesn't want home where rules and regulations take preeminence. He longs for his people to come home and know his heart and to spend time with him. The message to both the teachers of the law and to the sinner is the same. God just wants us to know him. When, come, when God comes looking, he knows we are, when returning home, it's not as simple as it was before. Relationships are broken. Relationships have to be relearned and reformed. The original friendship was a strange We have forgotten who God is. We have forgotten what he is like. We have forgotten his voice. We don't know where to hear it anymore. We have forgotten his footsteps. We don't know that he is around us. Robert Mulholland, in one of his books, says, Our attitudes, our perspectives, our ways of relating to others, our methods of responding to the circumstances of the world around us, our self-image, even our understanding of God have all been shaped by the destructive values and the dehumanizing structures of the world's brokenness. I cannot imagine what Adam and Eve felt when they realized all that they had lost. Maybe they were sad. Maybe they were angry and hurt. Maybe they felt rejection or abandonment. Maybe they put on a stiff upper lip. And went on their way. Was denial a new way of dealing with things in the world? Were they insecure? Did they feel unworthy? Did they feel ashamed? These are probably all new feelings that they had never felt before. And they couldn't possibly explain why they were feeling the way they were feeling. But there was one thing that was very evident. They learned very quickly to blame someone else self-preservation self-protection took over for self-responsibility they pointed the finger at other people they fought for self-interest above the interests of other people self-importance replaced love adam and eve didn't have the same love for each other the good companionship that God wants for us was lost, and it has been replaced with self-love. We all struggle with self-importance and belongingness. I had to phone Daniel several weeks ago. I said, "Do young people still feel insecure?" I said, <laughs> <laughs> I'm. They do. So do seniors. You know, but you know what? We struggle with with how other people think about us, how they feel about us. But we also Are damaged by how we look at ourselves. You know, the scripture says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. We know that in our heads, but it doesn't go down to our hearts. We have been hurt and damaged because of past experiences. Instead of being affirmed, we're torn down. Instead of being praised, we are plagued with trying to prove our worth. We always live with self-doubt. Me too. And we're always doubting ourselves because there's always somebody who is more capable and more successful than we are. We are all broken. We live in a life of continuing challenges and disappointments that cause us to doubt. But I wonder if the greatest pain that we feel is being unloved. Have you ever loved someone and not been loved back? Have you ever heard someone say, I love you, but their actions don't show it? Have you ever been loved someone and they loved you and then you've been unloved? Our, that kind of love is not satisfying. It's disappointing. Dis- and we have to relearn what love is, what it means for us to be loved. The Bible says, the spirit you receive does not make you slaves, so you live in fear again, rather the spirit you receive wrought about your adoption to sonship, and we by him we cry, Abba Father, the spirit testifies in our spirit that we are children God, God's children. We live right across the street from a park and on a very su- on sunny, warm days, the children and the whole family come and we hear the children say, "Abba, Abba." And I look around, I think somebody's calling God. No, it's the Jewish kids calling their dads. And I am in awe that God invites me. He gives me permission to call him Abba. And as much as we all love this message, we don't experience it. We have broken ideas about God. And we have broken ideas of ourselves. My experience with my father has been one of safety and love. But I know that this is not the relationship that many people have with their own fathers. They have never known their fathers. They have not lived with their fathers. Some have left for one reason or another. Divorce, abandonment, death. Some of us have dads who lived and worked in other places, in other cities, in other countries. Both my mom and my dad did not know their own fathers because their fathers lived in Canada. They lived in China. Uh, I've known, I speak with lots of women. Fathers who are not interested in their children are too busy. I just finished talking to a girlfriend of mine whose son spent his sixth birthday with his dad. And his dad did not say happy birthday, did not have a card, did not have a present, didn't even remember it was his birthday. And sometimes we have people that have fathers that are not there. As a teacher, I have seen children flinch away if their fathers raise their arms or even raise their voices because they know what might happen. Sin and brokenness can destroy our understanding what it means to have a good and loving father. Our self-image, our understanding of God have all been shaped by the destructive values of a dehumanizing structures of the world's brokenness. God knows all of this. God knows our relationship with other people is broken, even the people we know best. He knows our self-worth is fragile. He knows that our image of Father is colored by our experiences, but he invites us home to relearn who he is. He desires to bring us back to a place where we can know him again. Home is a place where we can relearn the love that that the Father has for us, even though we have been disappointed and hurt. It is a place where we can go... And believe that he is good even though the things around us is bad. Or bad things have happened to us. It is a place where our broken relationship with God can be healed. It is a place where we can learn who God really is and not what we think he is. Home is being aware of God to allow him to teach us about himself I have grown through childhood, adulthood, and now, in my senior years, I've learned about my own dad. And I have learned to see him from different eyes. In the past several years, now that he's older, uh, he is more open to talk about his own childhood. He grew up during the war, in China during the war. There was a lot of hunger. There was a lot of destruction. He saw killings and he had family members murdered. There are things that my mother and him are beginning to talk about, but occasionally they will stop because reliving it is too hard. But we encourage them to talk it out. As I spend time with my dad, even now at our ages, I learn more and more about my dad. And I get to know him deeper and deeper. And I learn to appreciate him more. But I also know there's still a lot I don't know about him. This is the same with God, our Heavenly Father. We think we know him, but as we spend time, there is so much more that he wants us to learn about him. And he wants to correct our mistaken ideas of who he is. In the story, Jesus says, I tell you, in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. The parable concludes, both of these parables conclude with the declaration of rejoicing in heaven when one person repents. But I wonder if repentance means more than just turning away from sin and our wrongdoings. But I wonder whether or not it also can mean changing our understanding of who God is. If we allow God to teach us, we will have a renewed relationship that he intended us to be. When we return home, it is not the same as the Garden of Eden. He wants us to relearn his voice. What is he saying? How is he saying it? How is he bringing healing to our present situation? He wants us to recognize his footsteps. Where is he? What is he doing? Where is he inviting us to go? He wants us to know him in a different way. Earlier in my Christian life, I had had faced some challenges and stresses that at times were unbearable. I didn't have anyone to share my troubles with. And church was the loneliest place to be because everybody was happy and everybody had everything in order. But inside me, I was feeling a lot of turmoil. There was a lot of anger in me. And I felt that God had forgotten me. And I sunk deeper and deeper into sadness. And there was a time when I said, I don't want to believe in you, God, anymore because you have broken trust with me. I did not find reassurance or comfort in his word. Prayer did not help. And I just felt so ashamed that I wasn't that good, perky Christian. So I decided instead of going down, 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 I would go to counseling. And counseling was wonderful. And over several months, my counselor helped me deconstruct my feelings, gave me insights to why I was feeling the way I was feeling, strategies how to live more confidently, and I learned to gain control of my life. I was free from the old patterns of thinking, and I gained independence. And I learned not to let circumstances and situations control my life. However, my relationship with God was not as it was. I was still unsure whether or not he really loved me. I wasn't convinced that he was still a good father. And I didn't, and I was afraid that maybe he would still pull the rug from under my feet and I would fall again. So I was on shaking grounds with God. But I remember vividly to this day when that all changed. We were in church and we were singing the hymn, Be still for the presence of the Lord, the Holy One is here. We came to the last verse and it says, He comes to cleanse and heal and minister his grace, and I heard God saying, Rita, do you believe that? And I said, I was going to say, no, I'm not sure. But the words came out and said, yes, Lord. And then like a very gentle tsunami, all the bitterness, all the hurt, all the angry. I know you're laughing at my choice of word, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, it washed away. I heard his voice, and I knew that he loved me. And I could trust in him again. It wasn't my learning. It was the voice. I felt home. I felt close to him. All the disappointment and hurt disappeared. He comes to cleanse and heal and minister his grace. God helped me believe those words again. Just as if God's love for me is dependent on what I do, God's love is not dependent on what was happening in my life. And it does not depend on what I try to do to fix my life. I've had other difficulties since then, but I've never gone back to the point where I have doubted God. It's not so much about how to fix the problem or get rid of the pain. It's more about looking into God's eyes and hear him say, It's okay. I love you. My counseling helped me to understand what I was experiencing and strategies to cope. But it was God that brought spiritual healing. He allowed me to be who I was. He allowed me to feel what I felt. He allowed me to turn my back against him. But he didn't stop loving me. He never stopped calling me home. He never stopped speaking to me until... I heard him. God restored me to a place where I could trust him. Home is not just knowing in our heads. It's experiencing God speak his love to us. It's his spirit talking to to our spirit. David Benner, in one of his books, says, Transformation occurs when we bring all parts of ourselves into the banquet of love provided by our divine hosts. Our fearful, angry, and wounded parts of self can never be healed unless they are exposed to divine love. Richard Mulholland says the Christian life in its fullness is far more than being active in Christian community, affirming a certain set of beliefs, or adopting a particular behavior pattern. These are a second res- secondary result of the primary reality of life engaged in an ever-deepening union with God in love. This picture is very special to me. I carried this uh, in my Bible because it's been exactly 20 years to this month where I was treated with cancer. I was just saying to Kim, we went through medical issues together 20 years ago, such a long time ago. But 20 years ago, it was lovely having someone to share my feelings with. And she was a great strength to me. But I carried this picture because I needed to know that this is where I was. I was a very independent, self-sufficient woman. But when I was sick, this is, the, this is what I had. I was just a baby in God's arms. I couldn't do anything more. I was so scared—not so much for me, but for my children. My children were in grade five and grade, grade six and grade, no, grade five and grade eight at the time. I was more scared. What would be like if they didn't have their mother? But I had to be strong for them. But this is what I was like with my own father. God, God wants to take away the deadness of our lives and replace it with life. He wants, us to res- he wants to restore a good life to us. He wants to bring healing to us. He wants to bring healing in our relationship with him, with ourselves, with other people, and the world around us. He wants to bring us home. Uh, as some of you know, Dwayne had cancer just before Christmas and Just before Christmas, on the 20th of December, he went to get surgery to remove it. So there was a lot of long waiting in the hospital. And one, uh, I had to go get coffee often, and I was in line in Tim Hortons in the lobby, and there were two men behind me. And I wasn't meaning to listen to them, but they were right behind me. (laughs) One man, he sounded like a younger man, but he sounded very tired. And he says he was talking about his wife. And he said, she's so needy. She's so jealous. She doesn't even know how jealous she is. She has such a draining effect on me. And you could just hear the weariness in his voice. And then his friend said, well, you know what that means. And I said, okay, here it comes. Bashing the woman, needy woman, draining the life out of this man. So I am just waiting for the words to come. And this is what he said. You know what that means? She needs to know that she is loved. She needs to know that she is loved more than she understands that she is important and that she is precious. It took everything in my body from turning around to look at that man because, man, was that ever special. I have told that story to many men that I know, and the eyes just roll. <laughs> But, you know, that, that was such a wonderful, wonderful thing that, you know, yeah, if you're really needy, all you need is more love. That's, and that's what God is saying to us. It, he, we just need to hear. And that's what he wants to tell us. He just wants to love us more. This is transformation. Is there anything in your life that needs healing? Is there anger? Is there hurt? Is there unforgiveness, insecurities, sickness, bitterness? Is there shame? Is there injustice? Is there loneliness? Is there being unloved? God calls us home. He wants to look into your eyes and say, I miss you, and things will be okay. The negative attitudes in our lives steal life from us. They rob us of the full joy God intends for us. He wants to bring us home to his presence to renew, give us new life. Transformation is not a one-time event. It's, not, it's a lifelong process. It's not you say the sinner's prayer and you've completed your journey because you're saved. No, we haven't arrived. The life that God offers us is so much richer, so much more fulfilling, so much deeper than we can even imagine. We must not rob ourselves of the fuller life that God has for us. And you know what? That fuller life might not be more of what we already have. It might be completely different from what we think. This is transformation. God has a new story for you. Leave the old one behind and come and learn a new life. I have this song that I really, really like, written by Carrie Newcomer. She writes her songs in conjunction with uh, a very good writer named Palmer Parker. And I just want you to listen to the story, the song, and I hope it encourages you. Thank.
1: You. I'm writing a new ending with a better storyline. Turn the page and leave the blanks with a plot that's less defined And though I won't get back a day stolen time. I could go to bed at night with a better story House burned down and the wind scattered the ash. Forgive myself for all the broken glass, what I didn't know how to say or ask. I'm writing an ending with a better storyline. Turn the page and leave the blanks with a plot that's less defined. The better story. How the story starts At the edges I can grow Even when they're razor sharp I'm grateful for the words That i bookmarked Before I really knew I'd need them for this part I'm writing in the With a better storyline Turn the page and leave the blanks With a plot that's less defined Though i at this stolen time, I could go to bed at night with a better story line.